0: Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi, joined as always by Tyler Palmit and we've got a fun show lined up for you today. Uh, We are going to welcome in former station camp, former Vanderbilt basketball player, John Jenkins, who's carved out a nice uh, professional basketball career in the NBA, in the G League, and overseas. Really excited to talk to him just about the uh, incredible journey he's been on uh, over the last decade plus in uh, pro basketball. So um, stick around for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we dive into that, interview with John, though. I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. All right, we are going to be joined now by John, who's coming in on video. There he is. John, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it.
0: So, John, this time of year, what does it look like for you? Are are you still in recovery mode after a long season? Or I I know your your mantra for a long time was that you didn't take a day off. Um, So are you already back to full training at this point, or did you you take at least a little bit
1: of time off? Man, I still live the same lifestyle I lived when I was at Station Camp High School, man. Uh, Now that I'm older, I don't kill myself as much, uh, but I'm training in the pool or on the bike or anything low impact right now. Um, Not as much on court until – Season gets closer, but, yeah, man, I still live the same crazy lifestyle I did when I was 16, 17, 18 years old at station camp. John, let's
2: talk about this season. You,
1: you spent most of it with uh,
2: the NBA G League, uh, Ignite, and then you finished with off the year in Spain with Marcus' Gasol's
1: team. What were those two experiences like? Both very unique. Uh, obviously, with the G League, it's my first year with those guys. I didn't know what to expect going into it. it ended up being one of my most fun years I ever had in my career. Uh, I really enjoy getting to know the young guys. Uh, Coach Hart was amazing for me, letting me play my game, but also, you know, help teach and lead these these young guys and these young players uh, to being great pros one day. And um, I really kind of found my niche and also maybe after basketball, something I might want to do is start development or front office. I was able to uh, dig into those type of things and, be in meetings with people, then um, I really enjoyed it from an off-court standpoint, but obviously I'm still loving the game on the court. But uh, I just had a lot of fun playing and also uh, teaching and uh, showing what I've I've had, you know, in my career for 11 years plus.
0: So we'll come back around to more of your current professional stuff uh, in just a little bit, but we've got to play some of the classics here. And starting with your high school career station camp, you mentioned it earlier, but – it really is the stuff of legend, and obviously I'm biased in that opinion as a 2015 station camp grab myself, so I just need to put that out there as some full disclosure. But uh, got to got to see just that memorable season you had uh, as a senior with the 42 points a game. Uh, of course, you won a b- bunch of personal awards. You got the back-to-back Mr. Basketball trophies there in 2008 and 2009. The crowds that came to that gym were incredible for some of those big games. I mean, it was standing room only stuff. Yeah. How much fun, John, was that time in your life, when, especially that senior year that you had?
1: Oh, man, from what I remember, <laughs> I've played so many games and been in so many different things since station camp and those those times of my life. But uh, they always told me and they told the team like, you know, these memories uh, will last only a little bit because we got the rest of our lives ahead of us. But they told us that we remember all the times you have with your teammates and all the fun things we did together on the court and less about what you did individually. And they're right. Obviously, I had a, a great individual career, station camp, but I still just miss the days in the locker room and hanging out, and uh, the hard practices, and you know, running outside at six in the morning, the weights. Those memories uh, come back more than the sixty-point games or the the crazy crowds that were at, at at the games. But obviously, I'm just so grateful and thankful for Coach Massey and the and the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, since day one, they challenged me, and uh, I was up for the challenge. Uh, the way I was raised is that obviously, you know, my hard work, but it was just don't back down from anybody. And so as a freshman, I was on varsity and learned a lot from the vets and the, the older guys that I was uh, playing with. I was the only freshman. So I had the upper hand right away uh, playing at a high level and just my work ethic and my, my want to be great. Um, ended up, you know, having a great career station camp and then uh, made a lot of great friends along the way and just really enjoyed my time overall at the school.
2: John, and and being one of those dominant high school players who averages between 40, 50 points every night, uh, do you just go out on those nights and just show out, or is there a level of pressure, or is it just that time of your life where the gym's full and you just kind of come alive on a a nightly basis?
1: I felt the pressure, man. I'm not going to say I was out there just doing what I wanted to do. No, it was never that easy. Uh, For people that watch, they know I was never guarded by one person. It was always either a triangle in two with two people on me or a box in one where there's a, a zone defense, but one guy's on you at all times. Uh, so coach was having to be super creative, and my teammates obviously were amazing. Uh, they wanted me to score 40 every night. I honestly could care less. They wanted me to do it because it sounded cool. So they gave me the ball in situations that allowed me to score. And so it's just it all aligned at the right time uh, to have a magical season. But, uh, yeah, man, I was, I was nervous for every game. Uh, I knew that people were there to see me, uh, Vanderbilt players would come every once in a while and watch. And I knew that I wanted to impress them. Uh, obviously before I committed to Vanderbilt, there was other schools and, uh, people coming, and my coaches would tell me that people would fly in to see me play. And as a high school kid, like guess it's just a lot, you know, from a small town and that doesn't really get noticed. Uh, I'm just happy I wasn't around during the social media time with no telling what would have happened. It would probably have been cameras everywhere, every, every game. So, uh, I enjoyed it being kind of low key, but towards the end of it all, it was impossible. People were, uh, like you said, standing room only, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, man. My family enjoyed it. We talk about it all the time. I still watch the highlights on, on uh, YouTube and all that. And just now I can show my kids, uh, hopefully one day they'll believe that I was actually a pretty good player.
0: Yeah. I think you dodged the, uh, the social media area by, by about a year or two. You, yeah. I mean, you were right on the cuffs there by the time you were at Vanderbilt, it was a full go on Twitter and Facebook, I'm sure. But it was. um Obviously, John, in order to score 40 or 50 points a night, you you, you got to be hitting some three-pointers, and you were doing that. And then when you got to Vanderbilt, you you maintained that. We're still shooting about 44% from the, beyond the arc through your three years there at Vanderbilt. Um, just how much work did it take to become an elite shooter and then to maintain that each time you moved up a level?
1: It's a sick amount of work, to be honest with you, man. I'm still, Like I said, I'm still doing it. Um, I'm not shooting thousands of shots like I was, you know, in high school and college every day because my body is, I'm getting older, but uh, just the work that it takes to maintain the level of conditioning, first of all, to be able to shoot shots and be efficient at it is a lot in itself. And then just to be able to work on it every single day, whether you have days where you don't want to be at the gym and then, which is a lot of days, and then days where you feel like being in there, you have to be locked in and being a, a very efficient with your time is is the key. Um, luckily my position at Ignite, I have a voice and I just tell, you know, Scoot and the other young guys, Mojave, CD, Leonard, like, I'm really big on them being efficient with their work because when you're that young, you feel like you can play forever and that you never get tired or sore or anything. But, um, you know, my, my workouts now are one hour as hard as I can go. And then I'm out of there. You know, when I was their age, I was two or three hours, three, t- three times a day. So six hours in a day, like just killing myself. And, while it got me to this point, now that I'm older, I have to realize that, uh, yes, it takes a ton of work. Trust me, it's, it's sickening. As I always say, I live a Spartan lifestyle. I've lived that lifestyle my whole life, and I've, I've enjoyed it now, but it came with a lot of toes in my body. So now I'm just working more smarter than harder, but, yeah, I still put up a bunch of shots, and it takes a lot of focus to do that and a lot of discipline to do that every single day.
2: Your final season at, at Vandy uh, as a junior – 2011-12, uh, you guys beat eventual national champion Kentucky for the SEC tournament title. What what about that year made you feel like you were ready to 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 go to the NBA?
1: Uh year before I thought I could have made the jump, I wasn't ready mentally. Maybe my skill level was, but mentally I wasn't ready. Got feedback from the, the NBA that I would be a mid- to late-second-round pick. We decided to come back because we had a good team returning, so uh made a great decision. Obviously, my leprechaun Coach Stallings, is uh, is huge, and he put me in great positions to be successful, along with my teammates, um, the coaching staff, and it's just another great spot for me to be. Uh, a lot of this stuff, now that I'm older and been around a lot, just, a lot of it just depends on situation and opportunity. And In high school and college, I had the best situation and opportunity that anybody could ask for. And then it's up to me to put in the work and do the results, obviously. But um, the last year I was at Vandy, um, I wouldn't say I knew I was leaving after the year, but everybody kind of knew it was possible. possible. So we just wanted to go out there. And, you know, my teammates, most of them were seniors. So we wanted to go out there and give it all we had and just see what happens from it. Uh, Obviously, we we, uh, lost to Wisconsin in the second round, and it was tough. But um, like I said, the memories I've learned – or had from from those teams and those crazy games that we had on the road or whether it be sold-out home games, uh, I I look back and and think, man, I've just been so lucky to have these opportunities in my life, and I'm just thankful.
0: So it worked out well to declare that year because the Atlanta Hawks took you in the first round with pick number 23, and you did get to play quite a bit as a rookie. Uh, But then the back issues cropped up, and you eventually had season-ending surgery there in that second year. I guess, how difficult was that injury to work through? And I guess, how did it sort of change the trajectory you were on at that point?
1: It was very tough. Um, before that, I was never really injured. I played – I might have missed one or two games in Vanderbilt my whole career, and I don't think I ever missed a game in in high school. So, uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, I don't know why it happened. It happened. I trust God. So, uh, it's just something that uh, – I had to fight through. And man, was it hard. It was the hardest thing I've been through to this day, um, more so mentally than physically. I was young. So, you know, I was able to recover fairly fast, but mentally, I was just, I was a mess. I never had not played basketball. I never had to sit down for that long a time. And then the, the recovery, uh, while it was good because I was young, it was still a lot of work um, and I had to address a lot of imbalances in my body. Uh, but looking back, it, it just had to happen, you know. I think that if it didn't happen, I would be – I don't know if I'd be a different player or not. I don't know. I think that when I look back at the player I am now versus that kid at 22, 23, I think that I'd destroy him. But um, it's just something that I don't regret, but it's a a tough subject to talk about still. But um, I came back better, I believe. Um, I came back better mentally, physically, emotionally. And uh, I just – so keep fighting ever since, man. Stuff happens and just got all about how you respond.
2: Yeah. After the surgery, John, there, every, of course, there's the physical component. But then, the, you know, with athletes, there's also that mental side where you have to realize that you're healthy and go back to being aggressive. You know, at what point after the surgery did you realize or did you feel like, you know, that you were back to being the guy that you were before?
1: Yeah, so uh, after the surgery – I forgot how many months it took for me to feel back to normal, but I know I I was in Atlanta, obviously, a lot of the time doing rehab. I went to Santa Barbara at P3 and did rehab. But then I I spent two weeks at home with my trainer, Adrian Williamson, who's we're basically the same age. We're in the same high school class. He's been my trainer back home since I've been in the league. Um, And I said, man, we got to go through a hell week. I need to push myself to the max to see where I'm at and what I'm able to do and, and what's changed since the back surgery. And, man, we went after it, Um, and for two weeks straight, we called it Hell Week, Um, and I just went after it, and I played pickup. I did all the crazy shooting drills I did in high school. I just did everything imaginable to just test my body to see where I was at. And I think during that time, I think that was maybe July or August, I said, oh, I'm ready to play. So that's when I really knew. So it might have took like four or five months for me to get to that point. So you hit free
0: agency in 2015. You ended up catching on with some other NBA teams, um, having been through this process now for so many years, I mean, how difficult is it to, to crack an NBA roster, to stay on the roster? Um, I know there's, there's so few spots out there and obviously there's a ton of basketball players, um, not only in America, but all over the world that, that want one of those spots. I mean, just how hard is it to stick in the league? What do you think?
1: That's what I tell you. And when you're doing your project process is that not that it's easy to get there by any means, but it's harder to stay. So, uh, and a lot of it that I realize is just, it's just luck um, and the right spot. Like I said earlier, situation and opportunity uh, it plays a major key, and major role. So mm-hmm. what I tell you, these young guys now, not just the guys that ignite, but just the guys that I call my youngins in the city or in Nashville or Atlanta here, is that, man, just don't worry about where, just worry about situation. Like when it comes to picks, I'm telling Scoop, like if we go two or three, like it doesn't matter, just go situation. Uh, at that at that level, you're getting a lot of money anyway. So if we're counting the money, it's just going to be it's, – it's nothing. So um, situation is what you want to chase, and not just in sports but in life. So um, I've learned that through these opportunities, and um, I was dealt the hand I was dealt, and I tried to make the most everywhere I went, uh, whether it was Atlanta, Phoenix, Dallas, New York. Uh, I came to work every day, first one there, last to leave. Uh, kept the same mindset, was a good teammate. And then at the end of it all, hopefully I get the 20 years. That's my goal. Hopefully I can just say that, you know, I gave it all I had and let the chips fall where they may.
2: And, John, the good thing about pro basketball uh, compared to maybe other sports are the opportunities you can get overseas to to keep playing, to extend your career, you know, and especially in an increasingly, yeah, you know, competitive and, and the way international basketball is growing, that, the level of competition is still really good. Um, how do you go about finding the right landing spots? I mean, there's obviously some cultural differences, and you want to find a good culture. You want to find a place where you mesh. How do you how do you find those? I mean, what what kind of time and education does it take in, in meetings and such?
1: It's a lot. Obviously, your agent's going to tell you what he knows about it, and usually an American agent will work with uh, a guy that's in Greece or Spain or wherever, um, and they talk to you as well. It was very different dynamic for me. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't even want to go because I was like, man, I'm going to be an NBA, but I need to go play. I need to go show my worth somewhere. So, I just dove in and bought into everything that they were telling me. And uh, my first stop was Spain. Uh, obviously, didn't know what to expect. Never been there. Um, and so when I got there, it was a uh, obviously a cultural shift, but. Basketball is basketball. It was just amazing to me how my teammates, they spoke English, but, you know, it was – we're on the court. We all speak basketball. So that was cool to me. So it was, from that standpoint, it was in a huge adjustment period. In Spain, I don't know if you guys know, it's like the second-best league outside the NBA domestically. Uh, so it's amazing league, very tough. And for me, I played in Israel. I played in China. Uh, I found that Spain was the best fit for me because the style of play. Um, a lot of very high IQ guys, uh, skill level is always very good. And there's just, the uh, every game, it feels like do or die. It's like, it means so much to them. And so I, I love playing with pressure. I've done that my whole life. So I just seem to fit in well there. So, um, while I didn't want to go, I ended up, you know, I went back this year because I just love being out there now. I think it's a great situation. It's a beautiful country. And the cities that I've been in, the fans are just unbelievable. Like, they show so much love, and I've really enjoyed it.
0: So it's one thing to be a tourist, maybe going for a week or two, um, or maybe if you're playing for Team USA like you have before, traveled around. um, You know, you've got the help of the team and everything, and everybody's kind of in the same boat. But when you're going over there alone by yourself, especially for the first time, I mean, how difficult is that? Are there some – obviously, there's some language barriers and stuff, but how did you kind of find your way in in a new place, in a new country where – Maybe not everybody's speaking English and everything.
1: I've always said my ability, my best ability is not shooting, is to adapt. I feel like I've adapted to every situation I've ever been in. Uh, even before I got to uh, high school, middle, Like I've, I've always been able to adapt. Um, so while it was hard, I just say, give me a few weeks and I'll figure it out. No matter what, what situation I'm in, I just feel that way about it. So, uh, yeah, language barrier, it was tough. But my teammates and most of the coaches speak English. And then you just, like I said, you just gotta, you gotta buy in and just submerge yourself into the, the city you're in or the country you're in, and just say, hey, I'm gonna make the best out of it. It's not home, but you know, it's, it's a way of life, and I can make money for my family, so let's make the make the most out of it. The hardest part for me is not having my family there. Uh, we decided that it's best for them to stay here because usually I'm only there for I'm only done one 10 month season, and that was in France, and the rest of the time I've just done two or three months here or there like I did this year. So I don't want them to take them out of school and then bring them over there. And, you know, we're practicing twice a day uh, in most cases overseas. So I'm not even home that much to even spend time with them in a different country. So that's the hardest part. Uh, It's been really hard on my oldest, who's six. And uh, I don't know if I'll go overseas again because of it, because it's so hard. But uh, maybe if I do, we'll, we'll bring them. But. I just enjoyed playing basketball and, you know, it's just another opportunity to play the game at a high level. I play with Marcus all, like you said, and he was, he messaged me on Instagram and said, Hey, do you want to come finish the season with us? We're trying to stay in the league. Uh, usually in most countries, the bottom two teams uh, get relegated to the second division. So it's like a huge demotion and nobody wants it. So in Spain for me, I've helped three teams stay out of the demotion zone. So, uh, it's been something that's been pretty cool for my career that nobody really knows about, but in Spain, it's a big deal. So i really enjoyed it.
2: what a unique experience to be able to do that. Something that, you know, in America, we really don't have that league demotion that, but that is such a big deal overseas in in multiple sports. Um, all that time, John, while you're traveling, uh, what's been your, what's been your craziest or most unique travel experience that you've had, especially I'm thinking about that first year, that first, first 10 month stint where you're, you're new and it's all new to you. Anything, you know, anything out of the ordinary?
1: Oh man, not really. Honestly, uh, I've been really lucky. Even when I went to China, it was just, as soon as I landed, it was nothing but first class treatment. Uh, and I've been there before and with the USA team and same experience. Um, I would say maybe France because I was alone for t- the f- first time I ever did 10 months was in France and I was alone and, uh, it wasn't, I mean, I love the people there. I talked to the, the assistant GM today actually on the phone. Um, uh, just the city was didn't have a lot for me to do so um I'm a big coffee drinker and there wasn't much coffee places there like most places in spain have or you know other big cities i was in a smaller city so um not that it was bad it's just i just had to figure out ways to make it work i had to adapt um so i got into reading got into meditation more just do different things that i can better myself and then uh, I think it allowed me to have a really good season that year. So I took something from that and, and made it into a positive.
0: John, something I've always re- respected about you is that you've never turned down an opportunity saying that, hey, I'm, I'm a first-round pick. I don't need to go do that. Like, you you went to the NBA Summer League at 27. Uh, not a lot of players were doing that. You've gone, like you said, you, all the way to places like China and Israel to play. Uh, last year, we talked about it earlier, you were mentoring these a lot of them are still teenagers in the G league trying to get drafted this year. Um, I guess what, what keeps you going and what, what makes you say yes to all these opportunities, um, you know, to to keep playing and to just keep kind of grinding away at
1: it. That's a great question. I think I'm just obsessed, honestly. Like I just, people ask me all the time, do you still have the same love for it? Yes, I do. I'm obsessed. Like I told my dad that in the car, he always tells the story. I was in the car with him and, um, after a workout or something and I just told my dad I want to do this for the rest of my life I'm obsessed and he said from there he knew that you know I was gonna be this way my whole life uh, I've made so many sacrifices at a young young age that I just want to see it through so I want to be able to say that I got back to the NBA again that's obviously still my goal uh, I think with the way I shoot the ball I have a great chance still uh, and that obviously I have to make money for my family. So. Anywhere I can go to play basketball, have fun, and, and do that, uh, if it makes sense for us at the time, we're, we're going to do it. And my wife is amazing. She allows me to go and, and uh, still uh, chase my dreams because it's still a dream of mine. I mean, I've played in the NBA six years, but my goal was to always get 10-plus. Um, so that's what I'm aiming for still. So I think that's what keeps me going. And I think I'll know when it's time for me to stop chasing it and just kind of ride out in the G League or whatever. But as of right now, I feel like I still got I think like I said, I would if I played against the guy that got drafted uh this time of the year twelve years ago, I think I dominate him now. So uh until I can't say that anymore, that's when I'll know I'll need to stop. But as of right now, as we speak, I think I still have a chance and that's what I'm fighting for.
2: Yeah. Plenty of, plenty of special stories like that. You know, it's, it's possible. It's definitely possible, especially a guy that has had a, had a career like you, John. Uh, what, so what is the plan for this upcoming season? I mean, uh, I know you look, you can look a few years down the road, but uh, you mentioned, you may not go back overseas. What is, uh, what is the plan for the, the upcoming year?
1: Yeah, I'm going back to ignite uh, breaking news. Cause nobody knows but you guys, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's not, a, I mean, I think people kind of knew it was coming anyway. Um I had such a fun time. Um, like I said, one of my best years on the court and then off the court, I was able to really just figure out who I will be after basketball. So um, today I went to go watch London Johnson, um, our, our our point guard at Ignite. He uh, has a big year ahead of him. Um, he's a two-year guy for us. So he was there last year. He lives in Atlanta, so I went to watch him work out. Uh, I, was with Scoot, I was with Scoot Henderson uh, last week watching him work out. And it's important i mean i'm always texting the guys and letting them know whatever they need from me um i'm willing to do whatever uh i just want to see these guys succeed and, and get their name called and feel the feeling that i had like it's an unbelievable feeling and in two days four or five of our guys will have that feeling and i think it's just when i hear them names it'll be a win for all of us all of everybody from ignite especially me because a lot of work goes into it that nobody sees uh, the times where maybe they're doubting themselves or they're just kind of lost and figuring out the pro game because they're coming from high school. So it's normal. Uh, And then us vets are there to just pick them up and let them know that this is part of the process. And then just to see now they're – the way they've just improved uh, all my young guys that uh, I help out, whether it be in Nashville or, you know, with Brandon Miller or whoever – I just want to see them all do well and become all-stars and all NBA guys and just provide for their families. That's, that's my motivation for that. Yeah. The, the Ignite
0: program is so interesting. Cause you're, you're in there with a lot of young players, like you said, they're up for hoping to get drafted this year, but at the same time, you're, you're still trying you know, keeping your NBA dreams alive, trying to get back in the league, I guess. Um, you're going back next year. So obviously you liked it, but did that kind of awaken anything in, in you? Of I know you said you maybe want to be in a front office or coach one day. I mean, what, what was that like kind of bringing some young players along? Did you enjoy Did you enjoy that role?
1: I didn't think I would, and I really didn't because I'm still so prideful. Like, no, I want to play all the minutes. I want to do this. I want to do that. But then as I just like got to know these guys, man, I hate to call them kids. They're teenagers. But I was like, man, Like, I remember being this age and not knowing what to expect. Like, If I can just give them a glimpse of what's to come, like, that would be great. Uh, the way Corey Brewer did for me, the way Brendan Wright did for me, uh, nobody really, nobody really knows what those guys did for me at a young age. I met Corey Brewer when I was maybe eighth grade and he used to message me, coming to my games whenever he's, he came to one of my high school games during the season. Like it was, it was an NBA season. So it was amazing. Um, and then Brandon Wright used to pick me up all the time from my house, uh, take me all the way to Brentwood, work out with him, drive me all the way back to Hendersonville. So uh, those guys, they just stayed in my ear. Brandon Wright watched one of my—he came during the season to watch one of my college games and uh, at MTSU. And I just want to be the same thing for these up, up and coming guys, whether it be an Ignite or the other guys from from back home. Or um, I got guys that are overseas, the young guys overseas that I train with. That one was a was a MVP of the league his first year ever in Europe. It's just those stories make it all worth it, and it just kind of woken something in me that maybe I would like to do front office uh, or player development or something involving helping guys reach their goals.
2: Hey, John, uh, last thing, and then we're going to get you out of here. Uh, I know this, this could be a very long answer, but try to try to give me the shorter version. Um, best memory in the NBA. We've talked a lot about your, your past a- after the NBA. What was your best game experience uh, in the NBA? Uh,
1: I'll give you two quick ones. Uh, I got to say these two. Guarding Kobe Bryant uh, when I was with the Hawks my rookie year my wife actually came to the game she wasn't even close to my girlfriend at the time just somebody that i wanted to be my girlfriend that was her first time seeing me play um and it was an amazing game got to guard kobe got a lot of pictures from it uh, we won the game it was amazing amazing night my mom's birthday was also uh that night so it was a special night that i'll never forget uh, and then the last one was another hawks game but i was with the knicks uh it was my oldest daughter's first time watching me play on valentine's day and it was the same night they guaranteed me for the rest of the season on a 10-day contract. So I'll say those two those two nights, all in the same arena, were my favorite moments in the NBA.
0: Yeah, guarding Kobe. That sounds like a pretty good first date there.
1: Uh, for, I don't
0: know how you can how, how you can top that. <laughs>
1: he was a big Kobe fan too, so it all. I mean, I'm I'm huge. I got the wristband and everything. So, um, it was a special night for sure.
0: Well, John. We appreciate all the insight today. Love catching up with you. I know you've you've had quite a journey here, and there's still a lot more to come. It sounds like uh, heading back to ignite this year. And then um sounds like you're gonna be sticking around basketball no matter what happens. So um yeah, good much good much. stuff, John. We appreciate you being here today.
1: Thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Thanks, John. That's been that's been John Jenkins, former station camp, former Vanderbilt star now in the pro basketball ranks. Thanks everybody for tuning in. That is all the time we've got today. Do want to remind you on the way out that this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee highway safety office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. Uh, we're gonna have a couple quick messages here on the way out and then we will see you next time on main street preps this week.
2: You've been putting back a few and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think about calling for a ride. Nah. You live nearby. What's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over. Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone.